The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from a baby's changing station, it's Doctor Who Pachak. Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, for 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? Who are you? Better cash up, then. You head off. I'll do the changing rooms. I can cope. I'm coping. I'm coping on my own. Hello, Craig. You're not on your own. Increase sulfur emissions and look at the state of this place. Why are you not telling me? You're right. I can't go by my home with him. I can't. He just cries. Sometimes this works. Shh. What are you here for? I just want to see it, Craig. Cross my hearts. Been knocking around on my own for a bit. Bit of a farewell tour. What was that? You're here for a reason, aren't you? You've noticed something and you're investigating it. And because it's you, it's going to be dangerous and alien. Sheila Clark went missing Tuesday. Tiff Gosh last seen Friday. Tom Luca last seen Sunday. And what else? These funny old power fluctuations which just happened to coincide with the disappearances. No, but that's just the council putting in new cables, isn't it? Just between you, me and Stormy, someone's been using a teleport relay right here in this shop. A teleport, like a, like a beam-me-up teleport like you see in Star Trek? Exactly. Yes. What was that? Was that the lights again? Yes, that's it, that's towards the lights. Why did you say that like that? Like what? Like, 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 like what? Like that, in that high-pitched voice. Just keep looking at me, Craig, right at me, just keep looking. Reverse. Okay, what the hell just happened? They must have linked the teleport relay to the lift, but I fused it. They can't use that again. What were those things? Cybermen. Ship. Spaceship. We were in space. But if they got the teleport and they're that evil, why haven't they invaded already? Craig, take Alfie and go. No. I know where it's safest for me and Alfie, and that's right next to you. Is that so? Yeah, you always win. You always survive. Those were the days. I'm staying. All right. All right, maybe those days aren't quite over yet. Let's go and investigate. I mean, there's no immediate danger now. The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who, Pachak, episode 257. 
This is Louis Trapani, and joining me on this show across the Great Pond is, once again, Dave A.C. Cooper. Yeah, let's go and investigate. Yeah, good to be here, Louis. <laughs> well, good to have you. I, actually, I thought Graham, Graham Sheridan would be joining us as well, because I know he had tweeted out earlier about the show, so he might be heading off to work, So um, in, unless he's joining us later. So maybe we'll have uh, Graham joining us and... Well, as long as it's not being changed into spare parts. Well, okay. that's always the concern. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, and obviously, uh, Ken and James are still missing in action. So, um, hopefully, they'll show up at some point. No, 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 no. I think James, quite rightly, too dangerous a place for these young baby. <laughs> yeah, he's probably keeping his young. Um, is it, I believe it's Henry, right? Um, uh, that's in right. a safe space. Uh, I'm just trying to think. There. I thought it was Charlie then for a minute, but you, you probably no. Right. It's George. It's George. It's George. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll eventually get the name right. We'll run down every name that there is, and eventually one of them will well, be right. Well, you never know. The baby, the, the baby might have a, na- a different it, name. It, it, it could be Stormageddon. Lord George. <laughs> <laughs> By George. <laughs> really. Well, we obviously we're, we're here to review closing time, the latest episode of Doctor Who, and I, I just before we do that, I do want to kind of just go back to last episode when we reviewed um, the Guard Complex, and I just want to say at that time I hadn't seen Don, Doctor Who Confidential. I had seen it now, and it, it does clear up a little bit more of what that story was about. But still, as Dave always says, and I agree with him, that you shouldn't need Doctor Who Confidential to really. You know, tell the story. You should the, the episode Doctor Who should stand on its own without Doctor Who Confidential. And also, what Dave was mentioning at the end of um, that story in our last episode of Doctor Who Podshock, uh and um, I was a little confused was because I didn't really realize at the time it wasn't clear to me at the end of that episode when the Minotaur was down on the ground that the Doctor was translating what he was saying at that time. I knew he was translating earlier when in the beauty shop scene. So um, that's why I didn't really get the parallel, you know, because it, it seemed like the doctor was talking, you know, for himself, and I didn't realize he was actually translating for the Minotaur in that scene. So that that was the, the added to some of the confusion there. Well, I was going to just say then, it's all right, grasshopper, but I should say, it's all right, cricket. You <laughs> cricket, will understand yeah. one day. <laughs> <laughs> Young grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now both Dave and I are showing our age. Uh, the younger viewers are, what the hell are they? The younger listeners, I should say. Um, what the heck are they talking about? Uh, we also, last week, Dave and I, after Dr. Kupacha, recorded a Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi episode, which we reviewed the last and final episode of Torchwood Miracle Day. It was called Bloodline, The Bloodline, actually. So if you haven't heard that yet, and we also give a, a bit of a recap of the whole the series as a whole, Torchwood Miracle Day. And uh, if you haven't actually seen the series or started watching the series and then kind of gave up mid th- midway through, I, both I think Dave and I advise maybe picking it up again and just watching it through its completion. I think it does pick up towards the end and it does get better though it's definitely not perfect and i think both dave and i and and others that had called into the show expressed our complaints you know and concerns well not complaint reservations i think probably is a Mm -hmm. better word sure so that's out now um, on the feeds and on the website. You can go to arttrap.com there's also a link to it on podchock.net our website so check it out but before we go any further 
Spoilers. Spoilers. Gerne. Spoilers. 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 All right, well... You get the idea. From this point onwards, anything after this will possibly contain spoilers for our Doctor Who closing time, which was last night's episode of Doctor Who. And we hope you've seen it. If you're listening to this, if you haven't seen it yet, please um, take this podcast and put it in your pocket or put it in your baby's changing station and take it out when you have and listen to it then. Because um, Though I have to say, until the end of this episode, there's really not much in this that will be spoilery for the story arc of this series. But this is what I had predicted last week. It's a a light-handed, a light-hearted, fun episode. At last time, at last um, the God the the God complex. At the end of the God complex, we've seen. Amy and Rory being dropped off, and at the time I said, you know, we knew that they would be back, and sure enough, you know, they 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 do make an appearance here. Both Karen Gillan and Arthur Darvell are still in the opening credits, and you know, and that was no big surprise either. This is obviously a companion light story, and this was probably, I'm guessing, probably was shot during the the same time when they were shooting the girl who waited, you know, because that was a more or less a Dr. Light story. And they usually kind of do that uh, to kind of overlap productions of two, you know, shooting two episodes at the same time. So that's why we have a Dr. Light episode and and a companion light episode. So, yeah, it's a lighthearted episode, a companion light episode, though. We do have a makeshift companion because uh, Craig Owens, the character Craig Owens returns once again, played by James Corden. I should also say that this episode was written by Gareth Roberts, who is no stranger to Doctor Who. He has uh, written before, as and it's uh, directed by Steve Hughes. And this is the the twelfth episode, I believe. So this is the last, the the, the second to last episode of of this series. So uh, no, for, next to last, yeah. Right, well, that's what I meant. The, the, we have one more episode to go. I was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking that we still had, you know, that they were going to have a two-parter type of, you know, series finale. So um, I, I guess I was I was wrong in that. I had my episode, you know, once I counted which episodes we were at. It takes place, uh, you know, as we heard in that clip that we just opened up the show with, it, it takes place in a department store. On the second viewing, I was questioning whether or not it was a shopping mall, but on Confidential, they confirmed it was a department store. And I thought that was sort of somewhat of a lost opportunity because here we are in Doctor Who in a department store. And wouldn't it, you know, wouldn't it have been, we don't know when the lodger took place. I know we took, it, it took place in current time, but let's just say the lodger took place in 2004. And this is now, let's say this took place in 2005. This could have been the same department store that Rose was in. And instead of having a cameo of, you know, Amy and Rory, what if um, they brought back um, Billy Piper and we see Rose and obviously that would probably be expensive to bring her back and all that And uh, but it, okay so if they didn't do that then maybe have in the basement maybe the doctor could have just opened up a warehouse a, a, a door or whatever and see mannequins that look just like the Autons in, in that department store just you know again just having there, there were some mannequins in the store but um, again I just thought there was a lost opportunity to play up on you know, being in the department store. It could have been that same department store that Rose worked in. Well, they could have even just had a throwaway line saying, uh, 
I wonder if it's the, uh, you know, uh, you know, he could have given a funny look at one of the uh, the mannequins and given it once over with his yeah. sonic new, uh, screwdriver just to sort of check that it wasn't uh, the nesting at work again. And, and though I know Shara's 66 in, in chat said that it wasn't the same location, but but it was already established no, the, that, that Craig had moved. So he has an, um, you know, he's living elsewhere. So that could just been where he had moved to. Right, and we're assuming it must be about two years later because obviously uh, the baby's a few months old, and uh, uh, so the, it's it's eighteen months, twelve months, uh, two years after. But the the if the if you are talking timelines, the biggest timeline change we might have to consider mm. is the timeline between him leaving Amy and Rory yeah, in the last episode. We have admittedly, to... yeah, uh, they, he sees them in the store. So for them, only a few weeks has gone by. But for the doctor, course, as w- but for the doctor, uh, he, he he's gone on one of his uh, runs, running away from the situation. Could have been for a hundred years. Well, or so because- we have to figure because of his age. If you go back to the Impossible Astronaut, isn't he two hundred years older? So uh, this means he's been running on his own for two hundred years in that same coat, by the way. <laughs> well, 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 no, no, well I, one of the theories I had is that um, if you go back to the um, uh, Good Man Goes to War and he leaves um, Amy and Rory in the hands of uh, River Song and he goes off on his own, and then in the and this is of course is the two part uh, the series six in two parts, we then have them in the cornfield writing the name of the Doctor in Let's Kill Hitler, uh, and he arrives in that cornfield with a different coat on. We don't know when he read mm. that paper because, of course, he's yeah. seeing it as a faded paper. He's not he's not reading the paper the day it was printed. Mm. Um, so he could have aged, you know, That's... twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years then. Yeah. And, uh, so so during the course of from Let's Kill Hitler onwards, and indeed in the um, the episode Night Terrors, when he's talking to the young boy about um, you know nursery stories that he used to read as a child. He said about a thousand years ago when I was a young child. Mm. So we've anyway we've we've got two definite places within the canon where the Doctor had that time to have mm-hmm. lived, you know, fifty that, or a hundred years in each of them there's to plenty. get to the right age group. But of course, the Doctor lies, as people point out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we don't. We he says how old he is, you know, in the impossible planet and he could have just been adding a couple more years to it who knows uh but we do have this opportunity we do have these gaps now where it leaves an opportunity for um you know um expanded universe or whatever you want to call it the you know further adventures and uh, you know big finish adventures or well they they can't do current doctors unfortunately but you know uh novels and whatnot you know they can introduce him with new companions or whatever to, and they cannot they don't fit them into these gaps there's also the gap what between you know before the start of this new series before the impossible astronaut you know there there's a gap there as well indeed once again, this my review for this episode is going to be a little bipolar, just like it was last time. I really, really enjoyed the scenes with David, with, with the Doctor. Where did David come from? With, with the Doctor and Craig. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking David Tanner. Who knows? I don't know where that came from. Uh, the, the scenes with the with Doctor with the Doctor and Craig. I uh, that part of the episode, you know, I really enjoy the scenes 
depicting the Cybermen less so. Um, the the only complaint I probably would have with the the Doctor and Craig storyline is that once again, just like when the Doctor first meets Craig, he's dumbed down a bit. You know where he runs. I know it's all done for comic relief and all that, but he runs into the into his flat. Um, you know, you know, detecting another life form, not realizing it's a baby. I mean, this is the doctor, the one that supposedly is supposed to observe everything, and he doesn't pick up that it's a baby. But uh, again, I realize it was done for comedy sake, you know. So, he, you know, he runs into that room, you know, and if you go back to the lodger, he seemed to forgot all about what, you know, humans are like. You know, he spent most of his mm. life around humans, but, you know, he, he seemed a little awkward and um, uh, and baffled about human culture in that episode. I suppose they kept the consistency up between the two stories, The Lodger and this. I mean, if somebody decided to watch The Lodger and this back-to-back, then I suppose the the way he acts looks, at least, you know, has a continuity to it. it. But they do stick out like a sore thumb in comparison to some of the other ways in which he deals with people. Was the... I mean... I'm so, I, I just was curious whether The Lodger was also written by Gareth Roberts. Uh, Gareth Roberts, uh, no, he, uh, yes, he did. He wrote... Yeah, um, he did write The Lodger as well. Yeah. Uh, Shakespeare Code, Unicorn and the Wasp, Planet of the Dead, The Lodger, and, of course, Closing Time. All right, so that, that probably, you know, is part of the consistency there. Mm. So, yeah, I just thought the... All throughout, when the Cybermen first reached, when when they first released the first, um, you know, before the the first Cybermen story came out, they released the first like production photos of the new costumes and all that, and they looked really menacing. And um, I was excited to see the Cybermen return, you know, back to the series. And then, <laughs> then they came back, and it was delete, 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 and stomping their feet, and the big C on the chest, and it was uh, it was um um. Uh, what's um, um, her father's name? Um, that world Cyberman. Um, oh yeah, Pete's world. Pete's world. Thank you. <laughs> it's Pete's world Cyberman. So uh, now that Trying I was yeah, so I was hoping that you know these would be the return of our Cybermen and there would be more um, intelligent and um, you know. And I just, I just, I don't know. You know, I just jumping ahead in this story. If I can just, if I can just for a bit, that whole conversion with Craig. And again, I, I realize this was more done. You know, the, 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 this is a lighthearted episode, and it, it wasn't supposed to be so harsh and all that. But it's that cyber conversion was nothing like we've seen before with cyber conversions. I mean, it just. You know, it seemed a bit rubbish, you know, and then once again, we have the head explosions once, you know, they're conquered by love and it just that makes no sense to me. And I just I really I'm just disappointed with the depiction of Cybermen. I mean, it's great to have the Cybermats return again, but I, I just really wish we would get the, you know, I, I would still take the Cybermen in the scuba diving outfits and from old, you know, compared to these Cybermen. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me or not, but I just, I'm disappointed with... Well, well they seem very ineffectual and... Um, well, that's what I'm getting at, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I did take on board the fact that one assumes that because this whole estate had been built over where this was presumably this crashed uh, spaceship, they'd been dormant for maybe 50 or 100 years down there. Uh, we've, we've got to assume that, that you know, they're, they're, they're very weak on power. They sent the Cybermats up to actually you know, lock on to power, uh, and we see them, you know, in in a sort of recovery mode. But you're quite right about the way in which that, um, that you know, they're changing people into Cybermen because, uh, and we had a changeover with this on the, um, was it the Pandorica Opens, where we had, if you remember, the, the, the partial Cybermen on the floor mm-hmm. of the underhenge or whatever it was, and it was basically a, um, uh, you know, the, the, the helmet opened up and the skull fell out. And we all thought, well, that's a bit funny because we didn't think they were like bodies inside these. Yeah. So the, 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 there seem to be... In fact, we're getting lots of mixed messages about the Cybermen, really. They, they haven't handled the Cybermen uh, completely well. I mean, and we, of course, we know how well they've handled the, uh, the Daleks, don't we, with the, uh, the, the big bottom ones. <laughs> but yeah. um, anyway, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> the Skittles. Um, but, but I, I do feel as though, yes, they, they've changed the format where basically he's just enclosed within the case. But my main gripe about this episode is the fact that um, because it's followed on a couple of episodes from the Night Terrors, where the father's love uh, saves the the although it's not his real son, mm-hmm. the the, uh, the cuckoo in the sure. nest, as it were. And that's the same very quick solution, by the way, to it. But um, this far, I think the, the way the the episodes have been in this second series have have not done them any favours because. Mm-hmm. Each story on their own might have been a successful story, and you say, "Well, I can take it that love can conquer it in one one episode in a in a whole series." But it's almost been the predominant form. I mean, um, yeah. and I didn't notice this, but uh, Darth was saying, even if you go back to the uh, you know the pirate one, it was basically the father's love that had um, you know for his son that had. Uh, been the the overriding thing with that, and the, you know the pirates had gone off into space because the only way his son could survive was by being in the uh, the pirate ship, and of course then they they broke that rule, didn't they, with the uh, with them returning in the good man goes to war, with the boy seemingly able to survive outside the ship. You said it last week. Uh, is there any canon in Doctor Who? No, there isn't. <laughs> it seems to be the rule is that the the one the, the only thing that's canon Doctor Who Doctor Who is that there is no canon. Um, it, it unfortunately it seems that way, but it's just I don't. I really wish Doctor Who would get back to um, some good story. T- I mean, not that these are bad stories, but just I mean, good characters, good storytelling, and it doesn't you know just less of the fantasy. I mean, the thing with uh, with Russell T Davies, my complaint during that era was that there was a lot of magic that was kind of used in the series, and now it's um, it, it's sort of continuing on though. It's not necessarily magic, but it's love and uh, you know just. Really, I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's it's okay if you have one or two episodes like that, but it just seems like it's a continuing thing, you know, where love conquers all, and it's not about intellect or science, or it's about emotion. Well, one of the things that we had in our room was the fact that um, perhaps too many of the Doctor Who stories have been written by forty-something 
fathers who are trying to recapture Dot 2 for their children. Mm -hmm. Like you said, when you first came to Dot 2, you were already a a young man, a young teenager, and um, so you have a different reference point. Mm Yeah, I mean, as I as I said in the past in past episodes, you know, I discovered it as, not as a young child, but I was in um, my early teens and then became a fan in my later teens, and that's you know, I always just, just I enjoyed the the science fiction element of it, and 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 again, it comes down to the, the characters in the story that I really enjoy, and of course, yeah, it's you know, if you want to get technical, yeah, Doctor Who was not all you know, it wasn't science fiction with a capital S, you know, it was science fantasy or whatever but now it just seems less science at all just fantasy and um and that's it <laughs> and now it's it's more fairy tale fantasy type of thing you know and i just would like to i mean i'm not saying that it needs to be hard science fiction but just i think it just needs an infusion of some more more science and just less of the yep. make a wish and will we'll cure everything you know this whole thing about love you know emotions going back into the Cyberman and the Cyberman's head exploding for whatever, you know, which, I don't know. I, I, that, it just finds, I just find that a bit rubbish, you know, but, you know, with the heads exploding. We saw that before, you know, in the... Right. Um, the, but the, the thing is, with this episode, you can probably... The, the, the thing that is, is perhaps a disappointment to me is the fact that you can actually understand that being the solution in this sort of... Uh, you know, in, in this context, type. yeah, because uh, it's a light-hearted... Because, mm-hmm. But because they used it also in the Night Terrors one... Sure, exactly. Um, that shouldn't have been the solution in that one. So, uh, But on the other hand, that has a knock-on effect because you, you know, you've know you already played that trump card, as it were, and you can't keep playing it. I mean, we even had it in the, uh, the uh, Victory of the Daleks, didn't we, of uh, love overcoming the bomb and so on. So it, it has been used rather more frequently than perhaps we would like. Uh, but uh, the, the other thing is, do we feel as though, because there was quite a long uh, secondary element to this episode, wasn't there? The, 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 um, well, actually, there's three. There's the story, which mm-hmm. actually took place in about uh, 25... No, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, say 80% of the story. Yeah. Then we had a, a part that I really did enjoy, by the way, the, 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 the bit afterwards when the, the Doctor sorts out the, uh, uh, his flat and then mm-hmm. we have the, the nice little bringing us back towards the final episode. Yeah. Where, uh, uh, kind of borrow these envelopes and sure. uh, uh, where are you going? I'm going to America. Oh, hang on a minute. I've got a nice hat for you. Mm-hmm. I, I loved all that. I yeah. mean, that was nice, but... Um, as I say, my, uh, when I was talking to my son earlier today, he thought, like you, that this was going to be much more into the climax because we've got, let's face it, if this is going to be the climax, we're talking about the climax not going back to what the, the beginning of this series. We're almost going back to the 11th hour, aren't we? To get the whole climax in what might well be just one episode. And I don't think next week's going to be an extended episode, is it? It might be it might be sixty minutes. I'm not even sure of that. Perhaps someone in chat will know better than us. There's but, a lot um, to pack into that sixty minutes. An awful we, lot. To pack we into we saw it. the trailer, and we know you know th- there's a lot in it, and it's, it seems to be one of those you know series finale where the Doctor encounters a lot of his. Uh, past people you know we saw a solorian we you know we, we see a lot of his past elements coming back so there's a lot to cram into that one hour if it is an hour well we've got two answers in the text already thank you 
couple saying 45 minutes, one saying 60 minutes. So the point is that um, one would have thought that um, this would have been needed. But I think you put uh, your, your finger on it at the beginning. This was a, a companion-like episode. This, uh, it's almost as though they threw so much of the budget at episodes one and two and, and, and possibly episode 13, we hope, that um, really... Uh, the, They've struggled a little bit on this second half of Series 6. Not to say that um, there haven't been enjoyable episodes. I'm not just sure the stories have held together as a a continuous form. Now, again, I think the writers are under considerable pressure that um, we've got two opposing needs, haven't we? We've got the fact that this story arc is so well-developed and so much embedded in the last two series that they almost you know they made a rod for their own back and yet they've also got casual viewers i mean many of us here in this show will have friends who are saying you know oh you must catch this doctor who and we're almost having to consider which episode to tell them to jump in because you can't always jump in at every point Mm. like i said i think they have a lot to cover and I mean, I think that's why we have this epilogue. Five minutes, in, it seems to me. You know, in in this, because watching this one, you know, you you see the end of this one, and you almost kind of think, well, why are they showing you all this? And of course, it's to tease you for next week. But um, in in a sense, they say it it has it's completely disconnected to the rest of the story. You could think to yourself, well, why don't they just include this in the beginning of, of next episode? But I think they have so much to cover in next episode that I think they needed to spread it out here. And it also draws you in. You know, it gives you a, a tease for what's coming, you know. Again. Well, it will also save. It, it will mean, of course, that, that that final episode can jump straight into the middle of the story without having to do exposition. Because they've basically mm-hmm. done the exposition in this one, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And maybe him having this long coat, and maybe that would be the the the, the um, well. I don't know. I'm trying to remember the trailer or not. If he had that on, I think he might have had that on in a couple of scenes. But maybe that will be the um, the way that we maybe be able to tell the two doctors apart because maybe we'll be seeing two different timelines of the doctor next week. Well, I can't see that because presumably, if if we want to talk about that, um, we've we've already and the you know we're already at the point where the doctor's body is burning on the lake, and uh, the three of them in that beautiful scene, uh, you know, seen his Viking funeral pyre on the water. Now, uh, I'm not going to speculate here about that, but I, I do remember people thinking about it was very strange. That it was a blue boat at the side of the lake. Just happened to be there, but taking that to one side, um, I'm assuming that we're not going to see or mm-hmm. recapitulate the actual shooting again. So maybe the very end, it. maybe may, I think. And, and again, this is all speculation, and we're, and we're not going to go too much into just speculating on next episode. But um, I, yeah, I think no, I, no spoilers from yeah. me at all. I haven't got any. Neither do I. I mean, I, I've been even, you know. <laughs> I didn't even want to know the episode. T- I mean, I know what it is now, but I didn't even want to know what the episode title was. I do know what it is, but I was trying to even well, keep that bring, away. Let you bring, bring bring you back to this episode. Then it annoyed me that we knew it was going to be Cybermen because at the end of last week, you know, we saw a mm-hmm. Cybermen behind a curtain. I mean, I would have almost. I mean, obviously, as soon as you see the Cybermen, that's uh, um, that would have given it away. And let me ask you, what did you? Th- I, I wasn't too sure about these teeth and that, although. 
again, the I'm persuaded by others that it made sense that there were the sort of biological teeth in it because that's what the Cybermen are. They're part machine, part flesh. But uh, what do you think of the Cybermats in this? I thought they were... <laughs> I, I just, I, it's good to have the Cybermats return. I just wish it was in a better Cyberman story. And the, the whole thing with the teeth, I, I, you know, again, they were just going after the, the, the scare factor because they, they kind of do look kind of cute. And then they wanted to kind of, well, you know, we got to change that cuteness into something that's frightening. So, you know, we have this big reveal with the teeth and all that. And I think that's all that was done just to, is to combat that cute factor that they kind of have. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I, you know, it was just a device for, you know, scaring kids, I think. The teeth. Right, and uh, just let me say something for those people in text. Yeah, please don't put any spoilers in the text because uh, at least people can mute if we say we're going to say spoilers, which of course we aren't. But in text, you sort of read it before you know. Yeah. Uh, and that might be, yeah. Yeah, and I. A point. I, I know I got spoiled with the. <laughs> <laughs> the Cybermats, because someone had tweeted out the uh, about the Cybermats in this story, and I didn't realize they were returning until I, I had read that tweet. And um, even though they did put a spoiler tag, they put it after the message, which does no good because I already read it by that point. Yeah, I, I did. Um, uh, I did like the fact, by the way, and um, I suppose. I should have realised that they'd still be in it, but I did like the little... It surprised me when uh, Amy and Rory walked into the store. I was quite surprised at that point. And I liked the little, uh, you know, the little in-joke about uh, the perfume mm. that she'd got, suddenly been picked up as a model for. As, um, you know, um, the, was it the girl... The, the girl, girl who couldn't the, wait any longer, or something like that. Tired of, yeah, who's got tired of waiting? Yeah, the girl, the girl who's tired of waiting. Yeah, for the, I, for, I was kind of confused at first because I'm like, why are they asking for an autograph? I mean, did she <laughs> did she go off and tell her write a book about her story or, or about the doctor and and they they were, right. you know that's what my first assumption was that maybe that's what they were going after. But I'm you know I'm glad they didn't go that route. Yeah, and of course the perfume relates to. And again, I didn't realise this, but uh, if you look at the wiki page, I think it just tells you, and I'm trying to read the name, Pet Petrichor, is it? P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R, uh, was used as the psychic password in the doctor's wife, and it means the smell of dust after rain. Uh, so that was a mm -hmm. nice little tie -in, uh, yeah. link in. Sure. Well, we had in this episode, once again, we have another mention of a, a reference to the Star Trek, um, the Star Trek series. You know, we, it's not the first time we've had that before. We, that goes back to Christopher Eccleston as the doctor with uh, mentioning Spock. But I think there was another reference somewhere in between then now. There was a, a Star Wars uh, reference in um, the animated one, the the last animated um, story. Anyway, I'll look out and see if anybody puts that in text. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for one of your little breaks? Yeah, we'll take a break and then we'll talk more about it. I do want to remind people how you can call in and chime in with your opinions, and we want to hear from you. So if you give us a call, the number to call is 724-444-7444, and the call ID for the show is 23358. Again, that's 23358. And if you're calling and if you're not on TalkShoe.com, put star 8 
and that will put you in the queue so we know that you want to speak. And if you're on TalkShoe.com, you sign up for a free account and you can join in on the chat. And you can also put yourself in the queue there and the chat is live while we record. So I think Dave is right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. This gives you a chance to put yourself in the queue. And as always, what we like to do during these breaks is remind you about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction and fantasy as, as well. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, well, over 500 devices for your listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of this podcast, Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you decide, well, you know what, maybe it's not right for me, you still can keep your free audiobook. And what we always like to do is give a recommendation or a referral of what you can choose as your free audiobook. You don't have to choose this one, but you can choose anything that they have to offer. But this one... What I had decided would be a good choice would be, since this story that we're reviewing, The Closing Time, is a Cyberman story that takes place partially underground and has Cybermats, let's go back to another Doctor Who story that takes place underground and has Cybermats. Also has, uh, in this sto- in the story that we're reviewing right now, we also see River Saw, who is an archaeologist, and this story also has archaeologists. This is Doctor Who... The Tomb of the Cybermen. It's written by Kit Petler and Jerry Davis, and it's the original audio from the TV, from the televised episode with linking narration by Fraser Hines. And uh, without any further ado, let's hear a little bit from that now. yourself one lump of rock and all you've got is another. No, wait a minute. Look! Man, you just blew yourself a pair of doors. <laughs> oh, come on! What are we waiting for? <laughs> Elated, the expedition party begins to scramble up the cliff with Toberman leading the way. The group's financiers, Eric Kleeg and the woman, Kaftan, follow close behind him. At last, they reach a ledge where two massive doors are exposed in the blasted rock. Two giant silver figures are embossed in the metal on either side, as if guarding the entrance. The expedition stands for a moment, breathless and awestruck. It is Kaftan who breaks the silence. Fifty pounds for the first man to open the doors. Miss Kaftan, I must remind you that I am the leader of the... One of Captain Hopper's crewmen steps forward. He approaches the doors and lifts his hands to grasp the handles. There's a blinding flash and the man's body jerks and spasms before toppling to the ground. What happened? I don't know. Well, one thing for sure. He's not going to collect 50 pounds from you or anybody else. Quiet. Quiet a minute. What's that? It sounded like an engine. Something came down over there, behind that rock. Okay, Viner, slow down. I'll take care of this, Jim. Okay, I've got it. 
Captain Hopper and Jim Callum cross to the next ridge and duck out of sight, their guns drawn. Parry and Rogers follow. The Doctor, Victoria and Jamie appear, the Doctor leading a nervous Victoria by the hand, while Jamie, resplendent as usual in his clan tartan, brings up the rear. Hold it right there, friend. Will you put it like that? I certainly will. Did you hear that, Professor? English. Yes. All right, Hopper. The captain lowers his gun. Thank you. Who are you and where do you come from? And you'd better have a good story. Maybe you'll not get one. Listen, fella, we're not playing games. You'd better listen to him. What's been happening over here? The doctor makes his way down to the ledge and stoops to examine the dead crewman. He was killed the moment you made your appearance. Ha! And you think we did it? Oh, no, I can assure you we had nothing to do with the death of this man. He appears to have been electrocuted. Trying to open these doors, perhaps? He seems to know all the answers. Wise guy. I think this fellow must be a member of a rival expedition. Expedition? We've tried to keep it secret. Unsuccessfully, it now appears. Look at him. Archaeologists written all over him. Really, does it show? There, you see? It's impossible to keep a secret in the scientific world. Doctor, what do you mean? Tell them, Doctor. Go on, tell them. No, not until they tell us the purpose of their expedition. This is an archaeological expedition. We are searching the universe for the last remains of the Cybermen. Cybermen? You mean to say they came from here? But of course. Telos was their home. This is the entrance to their city. We know they died out many centuries ago. What we don't know is why they died out. Callum, Rogers, yeah. get him back to the rocket. I'll be with you in a minute. Okay. Well, that's that. Are you coming back to the rocket with me, Professor? What for? You're not going on with this, are you? Look, I don't know if these people had anything to do with it or not, but one of my men has just been killed. You're not paying that kind of money. Yes, I suppose that's quite true. Now, you think it over. Come on, let's go. We'll wait for you back at the ship. Uh, the problem, I take it, is to open these doors, right? Huh, brilliant. That is the problem. And we would prefer... All right, well, that's a little taste of Doctor Who, the Tomb of the Cybermen. I should have mentioned before that it was a second Doctor story. Uh, Patrick Troughton in his era, and obviously with Fraser Hines doing the Lincoln narration, he played Jamie and... Um, Victoria, it's a story with Victoria as well. So uh, check it out. It's um, it could, as I said, it's a story which has many of the same elements as the story that we're reviewing today, but it's a completely different story, and it's worthy of checking out. And if even if you have this on um, DVD or VHS, it's it's good to have in an audible format that you can play in your car and you know listen to it while commuting or driving or something like that. You can relive it that way. It's um, you know it's it's always good to have a audible format of even a televised episode even when that's still you know they did recover this was originally a, a missing episode they did recover it some time ago and um you know so we're grateful for that so you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash podshock again that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook and if you are driving while listening right now just go to podshock.net to get that offer if you can't you know, remember the URL or write down the URL while you're driving and check it out. We're going to get to everyone in the queue. I do want to play um, because Dave did an excellent job in putting these scenes together that you know, kind of refreshes our memory of the episode that we're reviewing, which is Closing Time. So we're going to play a little bit from that and then we'll get to those in the queue. Doctor! What, what happened? Oh, I've been, I've been chipped. 
The Cybermen, it killed George, took him back to the ship. The Cybermen are here. Are you okay? Oh, I should be dead. The arm that chopped me with it was damaged. We've got to go. We've got to go back to base. We've got a base? When do we get a base? I should have made you go. I should never have come here. <laughs> what would have happened if you hadn't come? Who else knows about Cybermen and teleports? That put people in danger. Stop beating yourself up. All for you. This whole planet would be an absolute ruin. Oh, Craig, very soon I won't be here. My time is running out. Thing is, Craig, it's tomorrow. Can't put it off anymore. Tomorrow is the day I'm... Morning. Morning. You found the silver wrap. Where are the silver men? Door, a door. A decillion bonded steel door disguised as a wall. That's Let's see. This ship crashed here centuries ago. No survivors, but the systems are dormant, waiting for power. And then the council stick a load of new cables right on top of you. Not enough power. Not enough parts. When we are ready, we will emerge. We will convert this planet to cyber form. Oi! Cybermen! Get off my planet, all right? Activate this! Craig, stop this! Get out! You are compatible. You are intelligence. Do not fear. We will take your fear from you. You will be like us. Your designation is cyber controller. You will lead us. We will conquer this world. Begin conversion. Phase one. Cleanse the brain of emotions. Please, listen to me. I believe in you. I believe you could do this. I've always believed in all of you all my life. Craig, tomorrow I'm going to die, but I don't mind if you just prove me right. Craig! Begin full conversion. You know, before that scene, there was another scene with the Cybermat that the Cybermat that attacks Craig, and where the Doctor puts the baby outside, and well, he's he's locked outside as well. Yeah, and he breaks through that glass door, and I don't know about anyone else, but I couldn't help but be reminded of the 1996 TV movie where the Doctor uh, walks through the glass door, a similar glass door, um, obviously a different situation, but. Um, here he had to. I always thought uh, the thing I thought is that it's the Daleks that usually break through the doors. <laughs> well, and also if you go back to uh, was it Rise of the Cybermen? Wasn't the Cybermen breaking through the glass windows? And, and, and that, just, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but that's so just an observation there. Uh, I also just want to make a comment that uh, the directing and the lighting and the production of this episode was done very well. And I checked our website <laughs> uh, earlier before uh, we recording, and you know before we started recording. And uh, so far, there's no fans on it screaming homosexual agenda, because uh, it seems like any time there's even a an allusion to that, there there are some fans that will, for some reason, scream that. So uh, I was pl- pleasantly surprised that there wasn't any of that, at least not on our site. So I don't know if there. If it's been going on elsewhere, but I, again, I thought the the scenes with uh, with the Doctor and Craig were done very well, and, and I think the I think the chemistry that those two have works very well, and, and I, I think it's probably you know the the two actors probably get on very well with each other, and I think it's it's shown on screen as well. And did you recognise the other one of the other actors in there, uh, Linda Barron? 
Nurse Gladys Emmanuel. No. Uh, you won't know that reference. No. Uh, from a, a, a UK comedy series called Open All Hours, where she played the love interest of uh, Arkwright, the shop owner. Did she, uh, which character does she play? Does she play the, the young she, or the she older? Played the, she played the older lady okay. who said, oh, it's nice that you're a couple. Uh, she's in the 70s now, but um, she was the, the love interest uh, in the, uh, the, the comedy show. Um, it was Ronnie Barker, one of the two Ronnies, who had a show called Open All Hours. I got you. And, uh, that, that makes sense for clothes. Ladis Emmanuel, a large, busted lady that he, he uh, yearned for. That makes sense for this because this is closing time and she was in open open all hours. So it, it's yeah. a nice little parallel there. What I was thinking, and unfortunately she has since passed away, it, if um, I think it was Molly Surgeon was her name, who was um, in um, Are You Being Served, which takes, if, for those that don't know. Molly Sugden. Molly Sugden. Yeah. If she was still alive, she would have made a, a great, you know, a, um, casting I'm decision. Free. Oh, no, that's the other one. Yeah, but just to have an older woman back there, or I mean, we we even lost the younger actress that was um, I, I can't think of her right now, but that was also from the series. And and those that don't know who I'm talking about is a comedy, a long, a popular, long running British comedy series. Are, are you being served? Which took place in a British department store, Grace Brothers. Yeah. Let's see what other people had to say about this episode. We're going to go to the queue. And once again, Dr. Upachuk supporting subscribers will be bumped up in the queue. And I know we had a couple. We have Mystery Presenter, but I think we had, um, I don't know if he wants to come back on. Mark was um, also in the queue earlier, but I see his audio is no longer connected. So, um, yeah, Wendy Richard was. Wendy, Wendy, thank Wendy, you. Wendy yeah. Richard was the other one you were thinking of, yeah. Yes, and unfortunately we lost them both. Um, I know Wendy was younger, but I think, um, I don't know if it was cancer or something she she was fighting, but uh, I, I, the two you know prominent women actresses uh, from that series are, are both gone. Uh, even yep. um, Ian, um, was Ian Mann, I think, who... Um, John, John, John Inman. John Inman, yeah. He's gone, and... I don't know who's left from that now, but anyway, uh, yeah, it, it would have been yeah. nice to have one of them just as a cameo. But there, there was a cameo in the background that I wasn't familiar with. But I, in Doctor Confidential, there was a uh, a radio presenter that I think was in the background in, in some scene. Yeah, Radio One DJ. Mm-hmm. I don't really know him, but uh, yeah, friend of James Corden. Okay. So once again, if you would like to uh, help the show out, and now more than ever, we need your help. And uh, at this, we're going to need to do some sort of fundraising campaign to get to Gallifrey this year, because at this point, <laughs> we haven't even paid for last Gallifrey, let alone this coming one. So I don't know what we're going to do. We have to do some sort of fundraising campaign. Uh, but you can help out by becoming a Pachak supporting subscriber. It does make a tremendous difference, and it, we are ever so grateful and if you um, would like to, for a small monthly fee, just go to arttrap.com or pachak.net. On the top there, you'll see a banner, and just click on that, and that will give you what it's all about. But what we'll try to do is give you something back for your support, you know, little perks here and there. If we have something to, uh, to randomly give away to a random subscriber, we'll do that. Uh, we try to do extra episodes when we can, and um, what we try to do with the live shows is bump up those that are in the queue that are supporting the show. So to that end, let's go to... Um, mystery presenter and see what he has to say welcome back to the show um hello lewis hello I'm dave welcome back how are hey, you I, um well, 
one of the bits I liked in this episode is when the doctor is taking Alfie Ocean's back garden and he drops the sonic screwdriver and ends up blocking himself out. Mm. So he can't get it. He has to break in through the window. Yeah, because otherwise, because, he could, he, if he had the sonic yeah. screwdriver, he could probably easily get through that glass door. Um, yeah, he just used it to open the lock. And th- there's so a... It was kind of, and once he does get back in and he uses it, there's um, he, he makes a reference, you yeah. know, because at first it wasn't working and then he realizes what he needed to do and said, oh, well, there's an app for that. And, you know, making a, a, a pun with um, what we have today with smartphones and apps and, you know, what started with the iPhone yeah. and, and other smartphones. The other bit I thought was interesting at is where James Courtney, like, in the scene when He's trying to talk to him and, like, backs away. Well, I learned in the confidential, like, there wasn't part of the scene. He just kept on doing it every take, and they just left it in, which kind of made it a bit more fun in the scene. Oh, yes, they, um, they, but they had to cut away from it, didn't they? Apparently, Lucy uh, was saying that there was an awful lot that they got in the can that was very funny, but to keep the plot yeah. storyline going mm-hmm. on, it didn't actually make it into the episode. Yeah, right. I, I, I didn't catch all of, of Doctor Confidential because it was um, I was watching it while I was getting prepared for the show, so I couldn't really concentrate too much on on it. But uh, I think they made a reference to there's a scene where he uh, knocks down one of the st- the store displays, and I think it's an ongoing thing that um, he keeps on knocking it down. If I if I read that if I understood that scene, you know what I was watching correctly, and in the actual episode, I don't think that you know he, I think he may may have only done it once or, or so. I'll have to watch it again. This is one of those episodes that I did enjoy better on the second viewing than on the first viewing. Mm. I haven't watched this yet on the second view. One thing, like, Nostash, I wasn't really paying attention to the episode. Um, I know Dave was saying in the Cousin Collective mm-hmm. about, like, some people were complaining about seeing Karen Gunn's name in the credits. Yeah. I didn't actually notice it myself. Yeah, yeah, I had mentioned it also in this show earlier. Yeah. I had mentioned that. Yeah. Which, again, was no surprise. I mean, we said at the end of last episode that I didn't really, you know, I'll speak for myself, that I didn't really feel any sorrow or, or loss at, at leaving Amy and Rory behind because I, I knew, you know, that we were going to see them again. And sure enough, one episode later, they're, they're back again. And, you know, they they were in, in the um, opening of the, you know, opening credits, so... Um, also, for the last episode, like, what you see the Doctor shot, you know that there isn't a second appearance of Roy and Amy? Well, yeah, because we, I, I imagine that we're yeah, going to be so seeing them... Yeah, they have to be left behind. Well, I imagine that we're going to be seeing them again, you know, yeah. in in the next episode, you know, because of, of that needs to be concluded about that whole thing about the Doctor being shot. Yeah. Um, I think I give this episode four out of five Tarsus grounds. Oh, okay. Did you, what did you think of the Cybermen in this story? I thought they were good. Mm-hmm. Were they supposed to be the old Cybermen? 
Yeah. Well, I think that's the yeah. I think they're supposed to be our Cybermen, you know, our world instead yeah. of Pete's world because they don't have the C on the chest. So I think that's um, the the last to- the last few times we've seen the Cybermen. I think they're supposed to be our Cybermen, though. I'm still disappointed with them. You know, they, they're probably a little bit better than Pete's world Cybermen, but I, it's it's still. Yeah. I, I wish they would would be a, a force to be reckoned with and not so fat, easily you know defeated and. Um, I don't know. They, they, they just, I, I, well, I already said it, so I don't mean to beat a dead horse. Yeah. All right. Um, well, and any other comments before we move on? Um, no, that's all I have to say. Okay. All right. Well, thank you once again. Okay. Thanks. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. All right. And I think Mark said in text that he had some. Um, I guess some technical problems, so that's why he's no longer. But if, if Mark, if you work that out and put yourself back in the queue, we'll, we'll get you on. And I believe the seventh doctor, who uh, is um, foregoing his um, queue, his spot in, in the queue for Russell. So we're going to go to Russell next, and then we'll go to the seventh. Welcome back to the show, Russell. Hello. Oh, guys. Yeah, Hi. this was a. Uh... An interesting episode. I did like the little canine reference there. It was slight, but it was there. So that You're talking about the toy? The, 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 um, yeah. I forgot the name of the toy, but he he had called it something, and he's different than I remember he had said. But I wasn't sure if he was really talking about canine or or, or not, but I took it as a canine reference as well, yes. Yeah, so if, if it was accidental, fine. Um, I, I, I thought it was suspicious when the opening credits and, and both uh, Karen and, and Arthur's names come up. I thought, oh, really? And and I, I thought, I, I don't know why, maybe it was a contract thing. Okay, we'll put you in the episode, but just be really, you don't have any lines, really, audible lines. We'll just put you in. And I thought that was a little heavy-handed. I mean, they, they really didn't serve a purpose being there, really? Yeah. I, 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 again, it's, it was just I, I think a um, obligation to have them in it, you know, because um, yeah, unless it's to emphasise the fact that it's uh, been you know many years since he's seen them, you, you know, to, to emphasise the fact that at the end of the last episode and this, he's been on his travels and he's only reluctantly come back to this time period. I think it just seemed like a contract thing, like, oh, they have to be in the opening credits, and that's all. You have to fit them in the story somehow, so they did it that way. Because it, it really wasn't a necessary scene. It didn't help with the actual story going on. It was just, okay, there you go. They're in. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of silly. I, I find it interesting the way they set this up. So, okay, if if River is in the suit... Then how does she get out of the suit, and how does the young little girl get into the suit at the start of episode one of the series? Well, I, I think they're two how, different. How does that happen? I think they're two different the girl, astronauts. They told I think, us that. They told us when when they're first investigating the suit, they said it looks like the whatever was inside had clawed its way out. Yeah. Okay. And, well, we see that it's a it's the young Melody Pond, you know. And you yeah. know, and we don't know it at the time, and then she regenerates and all that into you know right. into males. So this is a, this is going to be a, a different. You know, obviously there's probably two different 
Impossible Astronauts. Uh, I guess. I, I'm really kind of curious to see how they're going to explain this, how they go from River sitting on the bottom of the lake to, to, to episode one we saw where it was a little girl in the suit, which we pretty sure we thought it was her that actually shot him. So I don't know how they're going to do the switcheroo. Yeah, but I think there's I a lot it's, that it's, needs explaining. <laughs> yeah, and I hope it's explained well and not just because because they really set up something. Yeah, I saw the end of it. I thought, okay, this is going to be one. They, they better do this right because you know it's, it's been a long arc, <laughs> and there's a lot to pay off in this. Which I think I think I think Lewis was saying that himself. We wondered why really they could have done with two episodes. Uh, to to uh, wrap this all up, and presumably that's why we had such a long tailpiece to today's episode uh, mm-hmm. to basically sort of uh, get us cranked up to speed, so that when next week's episode starts, it can fire on all cylinders straight from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they link the last episode to the first episode. I thought I thought as a comedy duo, those two worked worked well. I I agree that the Cybermen were wasted in this story. Really, yeah. it, they, they could have had, took away a lot of their menace. They could have had done something else with having a, a new menace, you know. The, the, yeah, a new alien threat, yeah. or something. And the whole love conquering. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree, Lewis. I, I would like to have some hard science back into the show a little bit. We, we've had so much of love conquers all. Yeah, so lately it's, it's just getting a, a little bit. bit much. All right. Yeah, because you know it, the, 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 there were even more scientific stories in the Tenant and Eccleston era than what we're seeing now. Yeah, so it's and, not like they can't do it. Yeah, and somehow I suspect. I mean, I, well, I don't even want to go into my suspicions. I because it, <laughs> even though I don't know any spoilers, it could be spoilers. So I, I don't even want to voice them. So, I, but uh, I won't even say what's co- what might be coming next. So I have no clue. But yeah, I, well, <laughs> yeah, but but uh, I, I hope you too. I, I, I'm with you. No, just just a little bit, a little bit of more scientific and less of the fantasy love conquer, conquers all magical hoo ha, which we've been. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't even set the name of the next episode. That's how much I'm avoiding it. So, yeah, no, no. I think I think I've seen the name of the next episode. I'm not going to say it, but I think I've seen it, yeah. which could lead up to wow, uh, a really fast-paced story. <laughs> if, if, if the name I think is right, which we're not going to say because we don't want to spoil things, but if it is, it should be interesting. I, I, I just think it's. It's a shame they couldn't have made it a two-parter finale. But I, you know, I have a feeling we could have what they don't resolve in next week is going to pile into Christmas special. Well, they're shooting so. the, the the Christmas special right now as we speak. Well, not, I don't know about right now as we speak right now on right. Sunday, but you know, as we you know as this episode goes out, they're shooting that episode. So. I, usually the Christmas stories are self-contained. You know, the, those episodes yeah. usually aren't connected with any story arc. They're usually very self-contained. So I, I don't think that would be the case. I'm not saying that everything will be resolved next mm. week, but if no. it, if it's not resolved, it will stay unresolved during the Christmas special. What did you think of those uh, um, those kids by the TARDIS at the end of this episode? They they seemed as soon as they see the Doctor, they seem entranced, and then we seem to have like them thinking back. You know, they they seem to, we seem to have voiceovers with them as like adults thinking back to that scene and all that. And I don't know what that was yeah. all about. 
I think that was just to link. I think that was just to link uh, to to get you into the River Song thing. It was just the because she has the files on her desk, doesn't she? So. I know, but it it doesn't make sense in the scene, though. I mean, why would they just be also memorized by, you know, uh, some guy with a hat? (laughs) I I saw those kids, and you know what I thought? I thought Rose and Mickey. Well, I I was thinking that went through my head. I have to admit that went through my head as well. I said, could this be a young young Mickey? But then I said, you know, didn't it make sense time-wise because of when this story was taking place? But. No, but just for the, just the way they, they looked, it was just uh, for uh, that. I mean, that would have been kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of a paradox, but it just would have been very strange. I don't know. It's it just one of those things. It just mm-hmm. it, it, the way they they cast those kids. It just my first thought was, well, I wonder if it could be. Well, I, I guess it's those kids that make up the song and how this fits into it. I don't think we ever never you know will ever know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole nursery rhyme thing. That. Yeah. It's cute, but how much meaning it will be in the end is interesting. And and it, it, it how much we'll see of Eye Patch Lady because she doesn't really have a name. Uh, I, I just hope. Well, I, I again, I don't want to get into speculation of next week, but um, I, I just do hope that one of the things that is resolved is what she is all about and why she's so out to kill the doctor you know what what's yeah, this whole what's war about you know this whole war on the doctor what this you know what what's the cause of this what, how did this all come about yeah i mean he, he's been around for you know hundreds of years why suddenly the big yeah exactly it, it's got to be something and, and it seems hoping. you know since um you see her you know while river and at or melody Pond is a, an infant and all that, and then you see her again when she's an adult and all that. So obviously, she's the, the Patch Lady is somehow traveling through time. So, and if she's out to kill the Doctor, what, you know why she's you know harping on the Eleventh Doctor and not any uh, you know <laughs> any other incarnation. Yeah, take your pick, really. Mm. And yeah, and either that, either she's time traveler or she has some kind of youth ever youth lasting. Mm. I don't get old that much. Yeah, that, that that could be the case too. Yeah. Something tiny whiny. Mm. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, overall, I, I still, you know, I, as much as the comedy elements were good in this, um, I, I still, I can't. No, I, I still can't give this a five. Um, still going to give it a three and a half. Really? Well, uh, well, I think actually there's been quite a few people that have been a lot harder than that on it. I mean, I, I would, I, didn't, I haven't given a rating, I would say it was the middle of the road. But uh, I've got a feeling that it's one of these episodes, as I've found most recently, that um, on, on first watching, you know, they're not that engrossing, but you appreciate them more as you watch them because the craft is there, mm-hmm. the. Um, the love is there, the attention's there to detail, and the things that you think, well, they didn't explain that, they actually have explained with a very deft brushstroke of three or four words. Um, yeah, so well, ever... I mean, the payoff for a lot of things could be next week's show, but until we see it, we don't know. Yeah, so. yeah it's got to be a good one as well. Uh, we're virtually uh, bringing to a head two whole series here, aren't we? Well, I think yeah, pretty much. Stephen I... Moffat had said that, you know, most answers will most questions will be answered but not all of them so <laughs> of course well yeah. yeah that's typical producer of a tv show talk yeah all right russell and uh once again you can listen to russell uh, outside of this show on his show rambling with russell which uh can you give the url for that 
Yeah, HTTP, full colon, backslash, backslash, ramblingrust, all one word, dot L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. All right. Well, and thank- I cover a lot of genre fiction stuff, too. So Cool. All right. Well, thank you again, Russell. And so it's good to hear your feedback. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week and seeing how this whole thing wraps up. All right. Okay. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well, going into the queue, uh, next up is uh, the seventh doctor. Then we'll get Mark on. Welcome back to the show. You've redecorated. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, Lewis? Very good. How about yourself? Welcome back to the show. It's good to have you back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Well, I I enjoyed this episode. Uh, I had to take it as uh, a little bit of a different episode because you knew this was going to be a light episode, so you couldn't take it real serious. Uh, And because of that, um, I probably rank it a little bit higher than I normally would have. Uh, I I enjoyed the comedy. I the thing that I liked the most about this episode is how Matt Smith acted with the children. Uh, I think he's fabulous mm-hmm. when he's acting with children. Uh, I think he did a just a bang up job with that. Yeah. Um, something else I, I thought Matt Smith did very well in this episode is uh, towards the beginning of the episode when he was leaving uh, Craig's house. He was kind of rambling to himself in the street yeah, he, as he was walking. He tends to do that when he, to say, that was, when he doesn't have a companion nearby. He tends to talk to himself because uh, that's the whole point of having a companion. So he, they can tell the television audience what you know the doctor is thinking and, and what's going through his head. Is That's the, the purpose that the companion serves. When he doesn't have a companion, then he needs to talk to himself. Exactly. Well, I, I thought he did that very well. Yeah, I, I was yeah. quite amused by that scene. Uh, the Cybermen, I thought, were kind of a waste in this story. Um, I thought that they were more classic series-like than the, the, the new series that we've had for the most part uh, so far since the show's return. Uh, but I want to see a story where the Cybermen are the central point. They have a plan, and this is what they're doing, and exactly. the so Doctor has to stop them. And we didn't get that here. We didn't mm-hmm. really get that uh, since mid second series, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I want to see our Cybermen, our universe Cybermen back fully. I don't know if we quite got that. There may be some sort of merging going on between the two. Um, I, I get that impression that sometimes, um, the Cybermat, uh, was a welcome return. Uh, I, I think that was the most convincing, uh, Cybermat that we've seen. I like the teeth idea. Um, I think uh, Darth mentioned in the Cultum Collective earlier that uh, it kind of explains how the Cybermat and uh, the Tom Baker story held on to Sarah's uh, body because they had teeth. So we kind of maybe get an explanation for that. The sonic screwdriver. Uh, we, we saw it briefly earlier in this season, this series. Uh, shooting green, green um, energy bolts. Yeah. Uh, this time it looked a little bit different than back then. Mm-hmm. Is it becoming a weapon? Is it a laser screwdriver now? What's going on with that? I don't know if I like it. it it's just becoming too powerful. Well, um, that's been my complaint for a while now. That with this, it's just become the universal 
device to do you know it's become a magic wand and again it goes back to the whole mm-hmm. magic i mean i think bec- and again and i've said this before because the format of doctor who is so open-ended you have a time machine it can you know the stories can take place anytime anywhere which leads to limitless storytelling but because of that openness there needs to be some balance with with placing some restrictions on certain things. And I think, you know, you should have a, the sonic screwdriver should be restricted on, on what it can do. And I think that's at, if you go back in history at uh, John Hathen Turner, you know, got rid of the sonic screwdriver for a while because he, he, it, he felt it was being used too often. But at that time mm-hmm. it's, it's nowhere compared to how it's used today. And now it's, it's used every, you know, it's it's hard to get through any scene or any episode of Doctor Who without it being used. You know, if you go back and, you know, to past stories, you know, before the series came back, there were stories that the sonic screwdriver didn't appear at all. Right. And now right. it just... Well, I, for, continu- for continuity, he's got to give a, a, a screwdriver to River Song, hasn't he, at some point? That's very true, mm-hmm. Dave. Uh, I, I think part of the problem is the accelerated storytelling that they have to do. Uh, and then you have just one part usually per story. So it's really fast and it, it just kind of uh, accelerates the story through. It helps the story progress faster. And, and those, they have to do. those that are cynical out there will say, well, it's to sell toys, but I, I you know, I'll, I'll give them more credit than that. <laughs> <laughs> that might be part of it. The eyepiece that the doctor was wearing when he was working on the Cybermat, uh, it kind of reminded me of Eyepatch Lady. It was a kind of a foreshadowing that we were going to see mm-hmm. her later in the story, and we, in fact, did. Um, but uh, immediately came to mind when I when that scene came up. Uh, I love the interaction between, uh, as I mentioned already, uh, the Doctor and Alfie. The Stormageddon was a great uh, uh, name to come up with. Uh, who would think of a baby thinking of that? But uh, <laughs> that, that was that was great. And the first thing that I thought of is, hmm, is this the future person that's going to build Storm Cage? Stormageddon, Storm oh. Cage. Mm-hmm. Didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and also, I love the scene uh, be- between the two where the doctor changed the, the images of the stars on the ceiling into realistic looking yeah. space with mm-hmm. stars. And if you, if you noticed, uh, Alfie's jacket had stars on it. And I'm just wondering if maybe. Sometime in, the, in a future story, we're going to see an adult, Alfie, and uh, he's going to be on some space mission or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, he'll probably have a different name than Alfie at that time. <laughs> probably so, yeah. <laughs> it's, I didn't um, think of it, but yeah, most, I mean, it could happen. You never know. Yeah. Especially the dialogue that the doctor was having about uh, how he uh, looked up at the stars like that when yeah. he was... Alfie's age. They, he's, so they definitely I, I laid the groundwork for an, a reappearance as an adult, perhaps. Yeah, I think that would be, I'd be maybe um, a follow-on to, to this, uh, these two stories that have had Craig in them. Um, there was kind of like a farewell tour going on with the doctor. He, uh, I wonder what he's been doing these 200 years. Um, in fact, 
has he been doing it for 200 years? As we know, the doctor lies. So I'm not 100% certain that he's actually 1,100 uh, coming up to the next story. Uh, he, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, we'll um, see if there's any further explanation. Or maybe, like Dave suggested, there's the other gaps as well that might fill in some of that time. But it's still there's, there's big gaps still. True. Um, something I didn't understand is if the doctor uh, used the TARDIS to clean up the house at the end of the story, mm-hmm. why couldn't he use the TARDIS to go to the to Exodor and see these galaxies and all that? Well, that, that, uh, yeah, I, I thought of that to, too. Yeah. Why? You know, is is there a specific point in his time stream that he has to go to the lake and get shot? Uh, I, I, I took it to mean that, um, you know, obviously he'd physically had to spend, he only had so many hours of his own real life time. And it took him all of those hours to clean the flat up because it was an absolute mess. Um, mm-hmm. Not that he didn't, not that he couldn't have slotted in the time in terms of taking the TARDIS to that point. But the, when he when he was talking on the couch, you know, it was in his timeline. He, he only had hours left, and he could only use those hours once. And he chose to use them helping his friend. Oh, but um, the TARDIS can go anywhere in time and space. Yes, I, he could I, I jump know, but to Exeter and but, then go ahead. Dave. He's only he's only got so many hours of his own life left. I think well, why that is was that? What, because the, he was saying that the time is coming, I can't delay any longer. I mean, he was seeing that feeling. That was a, a compulsion almost, I, I thought. Maybe it's one of these uh, fixed points in time. Yeah, it was a rendezvous. He, you know, he'd, um, he'd, I mean, if he'd spent 100 years, 200 years avoiding it, there must have come a point when he, he had to go. Um, and he just well, couldn't... Hope- but you're right. It's um, it's it's all open to interpretation. That well, I hope we get an explanation for that because it, it didn't make sense to me. I know there's a lot of explanations uh, that they need to fit into uh, 45 minutes next week. So <laughs> somehow very, I think we, we're going to be a little disappointed. I, all of us, I think, if we're expecting everything to be explained. But well, let's let's see. Let's hope. This farewell tour uh, ten kind of went through this too yeah. where mm-hmm. he went back and visited his companions and he did things for them and the, the longest death scene <laughs> yes uh, but he was complaining he was kind of whining i don't want to go and and i i just get the feeling that uh the 11th doctor is handling this a lot more mature a mm-hmm. lot better he knows for whatever reason he has to go there and he's going to go there and do this. And he's not whining about it. Uh, at least I don't get that impression from him. He's talking about it, but he's not whining about it. Yeah, um, I, I didn't like the whole 10th doctor whining bit. No, it, it, it seemed out of character. I think that was just a, um, a mirroring of, David of what many fan, fans were thinking. And I think they were just playing with that for once. Well, also and, being that um, David Tennant was such a big fan of Doctor Who, well, is supposedly, you know, is, I would have to assume, yeah. um, you know, I'm sure probably that, that, that came from him, I'm guessing. Uh, I, di- I didn't understand wh- why the uh, children at the end of the story 
where they saw the doctor before he got into the TARDIS, why their thoughts were important, why they were important enough to be in these eyewitness report sheets that River had and was reviewing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know, maybe they are somewhat important to next week. Uh, I don't know. Um, But I I would like to see the reasoning behind that. Um, River is studying um she just became a doctor and uh in what in the year about 5000 was it uh, yes how were uh, these reports existing or or how did they exist for 3000 years and why well she's an archaeologist i suppose if 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 she's found them in some hidden you know, catchment of some sort. But you're right. I mean, I thought of it as just a device to link the scene together. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'd like to have. Much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I like logic in my storytelling, and <laughs> I, I just didn't understand why these three children's reports would last three thousand years. Yeah, I didn't uh, understand. On a man they they saw for I, what ten, fifteen seconds. Yeah. Uh, they, are, they are just to sing the the, the the rhyme and that's it. You know, it doesn't make any. Right. I don't think that, somehow. I unfortunately I don't think we'll see much more of them next week. But hopefully I'll be wrong and there's some sort of explanation. But somehow I doubt it. Uh, the other thought that I had uh, in the last scene with uh, Eye Patch Lady is I'm wondering, especially with the um, the preview for next week with all these different characters wearing eye patches if the eye patch is some sort of device that allows those uh, characters to remember the silence maybe there's some sort of imagery going on with the eye patch and mm-hmm. that it's showing an image of the silence and they can remember then the silence could be could be as yeah. they are working with them um so I, I, I just kind of got this theory in my head that the iPad, there's nothing wrong with the eye patch lady's eye. It, it could it, be it's just something a, to do with the silence. Yeah. Could, could just be a device. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one other thing that I um, thought of is I, I think we're going to get a um, a reveal of the whoever is in the astronaut suit next week is not going to be who we think it is. Uh, if you remember last season uh, in the Big Bang, when the Pandorica opens up and we're expecting one character in there, we actually see another one in there, and it's a big surprise. So I, I just wonder if we're going to get some sort of parallel to that this time, and we're going to see a different character than River in the suit. It's when it when it surprised me they do a switcheroo. Yeah, well, you have to remember we're talking about Stephen Moffat yeah. here, so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it does. It did seem as though uh, they were almost making sure. You know, you've seen it, haven't you? That's River Song in the suit. You sure you've seen River Song in the suit? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, this episode was kind of a mixed bag, but. Again, it was a lighter episode, so I'm going to give it some slack, and I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. Mm, fantastic. Okay. Good. Good. Well, thank you again, Seventh Doctor. As always, we appreciate your input. Thank right. you. What is happening? What's happening, you metal moron? A baby is crying, and you better watch out, because guess what? Ha-ha! <laughs> 
Daddy's coming home! Which means a very big explosion. I blew him up with love. I have to go. Um, I hope Sophie won't mind. I need these. Where are you going to go? America. Wait there. One second. From Sean Stagg. Wow. You're riding, partner. Oh, thanks. Tick-tock goes the clock. And what now shall we play? Tick-tock goes the clock. Now summer's gone away. Hello? Such a lovely old song. But is it about him? You know about the doctor? So very well. Oh, don't try and remember me. We've been far too thorough with your dear little head. <gasps> what are they? What are those things? Your owners. My what? So they made you a doctor today, did they? Doctor River Song. How clever you are. You understand what this is, don't you? According to some accounts, it's, it's the day the Doctor dies. By Silencio Lake, on the plane of size, an impossible astronaut will rise from the deep and strike the Time Lord dead. It's a story. And this is where it begins. Melody Pond. We were always coming for you. How do you know who I am? I made you what you are. The woman who kills the doctor. No! 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 Uh, There's one thing there, Lewis, I want to mention. Um, I thought when she turns to and sees the silence and she asks, what what are they? I thought... um, the eye patch lady said, your illness. But I think she then says, your owners. Mm, you're probably um, right, owners. Meaning, meaning that, you know, she's under their control. But. Yeah. And why does she choose a, a late 1960s NASA, you know, astronaut, um, you know, outfit, suit, a spacesuit? She, you know, this takes place far well, in the future. Because they're, they're going back to 1966. Yeah, but she does. She, why does she care? She doesn't know. She, this is, it takes place in fifty nine. At that time, it's still current. You know, quote current day Earth before they go back. Well, presu- well, presumably, if after the incident and it went ahead, that would be left then, and uh, it wouldn't raise people's interest if it was of its own time. It wouldn't. Well, if they had something out of time, that would cause a lot of uh, you know Area fifty one type interest. I don't know. It just it just seems the the eye patch lady doesn't that, that character. I don't. We're think overthinking it. We're I think we're overthinking it. it. Let's, let's let's hear yeah, from Mark. Let's get in it. Let's get some wise man in here. Mark's been waiting long enough. Resident alien, Mark. Welcome back to the show. Hello, Lewis. Uh, hello, Dave. Hello, everyone. Hi, um, yeah, I just sorry for keeping you waiting so brief. long. Um, 
Yeah, it was, well, it was good, good to be good to be back. Um, yeah, I, the, the thing is, do you know, I, I absolutely adore this episode all the way through to about the I don't know what, what it was, the thirty-five minute or so mark, where we mm-hmm. have. Uh, the uh, and it's been mentioned already, but the, you know, yet another case of uh, love will conquer all. And, and I think it's it's just such an unbelievably poor plot device. I mean, it's the kind of thing that I would come up with if I had to write Doctor Who. You know, and the reason I'm not writing Doctor Who is I'm not not any good. You know, <laughs> so I mean, it's just poor. It's a really poor, poor plot device, and it disappointed me because I think Gareth Roberts is a great writer. I think you know he's. He's done some of the best stories of uh, Sarah Jane Adventures we've, we've seen. Some fanta- I mean, like, whatever happened to Sarah Jane Smith, I think that was one of his a fantastic stories. And, you know, he's, I, I, I quite like the logic too. And, and all the way through this, I thought it was excellent otherwise. So probably the best comedy of the series so far. Oh, it's genuinely funny episode. Mm-hmm. And I wondered there as well about, you know, moving Amy and Rory off the scene a little bit really does give... Uh, Matt Smith a chance to shine. Something about, I mean, it's funny, really. I, I think this is a comment I made uh, last year when, uh, when the lodger went out. It's strange seeing um, James Corden being moved into the role of basically a sort of straight man. You know, because, you know, if you've seen Gavin and Stacey and these things, I mean, he is the funny man. I mean, Gavin is, is the, is the, straight man out of those two. He basically is the is the one that provides the laughs. But and in this he was a little bit, but basically it's the doctor that's getting the laughs. And I think he's marvellous in this. Mm-hmm. Really wonderful. I mean, yet another great performance from Matt Smith. So I was I was thrilled with that. But I think the thing is to enjoy an episode as much as I was enjoying it and then have, oh my goodness, is it really gonna be that he hears the baby crying and that somehow means that they can't turn him into a Cyberman. I mean yeah, I thought it was really, really poor. Yeah. But, but yeah, but otherwise, uh, otherwise wonderful, wonderful piece of work. And I, I personally quite like having an episode 12 that isn't all, you know, the oncoming apocalypse. I mean, we, we had a bit of criticism of that in the RTD era. And I know that we've had, you know, apocalypses as the mid-season um, finale in that, but it's quite nice to get to episode 12 and have him working in a shop and that, so that was good fun. No, I, I agree yeah, with you yeah, on, on that point. I think it's, you know, that's fine. It's just that it just seems like we have so many loose ends, though, that's going to be hard to uh, fit it all in, yeah. in in next week's episode. But we'll see what happens. But, I mean, I, I otherwise, I do agree with you. Agreed. And I wonder whether, you know, I mean, Let's Go Hitler, which I, which I liked, did have a feeling of being a little rushed. It felt like, you know, we were trying to get a lot of things sorted out. We're trying to give mm-hmm. a massive new backstory to River Song and then get her trying to kill the doctor and then get her off, you know, to train, you know, become an archaeologist and stuff. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not too rushed the last episode as well from that, you know, same point of view. You know, I mean Moffat is an incredibly busy man, brilliant man, you know, probably full of stress, you know. I hope that his writing doesn't become too manic because there were signs of that I thought in Let's Kill Hitler. And I wouldn't be too pleased if, you know, the, if the finale is, is, is plot-wise, is manic, you know, with just crammed full of plot, you know. But well, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, it's always, it's, always, it's always where these things we have to wait and see. In fact, the, the, the Let's Kill Hitler one was an actually a longer episode. It was actually a 50-minute episode, I think one of the longest ones. What? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I actually love that episode, I must say, but, uh, but uh, yeah. Um, well, one one small complaint. I, I've said this 
before, but um, the BBC America treatment of this episode, they didn't do the kind of slightly sped up version that they did, you know, last week, but um, they still got this ridiculous insert at the beginning where you have Amy coming along saying that, you know, she was a little girl. They're still doing that? You know, waited for the doctor. Yeah, it was still in there, and it really takes away from from the from the setup, and especially in an episode like this where she's just left the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it makes no and sense. So, and you've had a pre-credit sequence which you know doesn't have her in it, and then you just hit this thing, and all the shots in that opening sequence are from uh, series five as well. So that's uh, that's just looking poor, and 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 I think it, it made then when you get Karen Gillan Arthur Darvall coming up on the opening credits just seem all the more jarring, you know, in an episode that has only got them in briefly. So having said that, I did like the little appearance from them. I thought that was great. Surprising that the Doctor hadn't seen that great big poster of Amy on the wall. Yeah, especially the, the, the Doctor who, you know, advocates looking and observing and everything and taking everything in. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only when it's convenient. Yeah, he just <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> yes. yes, his brain wasn't fixed on. But I love this idea that he can communicate with babies and, uh, you know, and he can shush people and stuff. Um, and I, I kind of, I, you know, I'd love to see more of the adventures of uh, the Doctor and Craig. I mean, he would, you know, I mean... I thought the same thing. A, nice, uh, a, yeah, a yeah. companion for maybe a there's few there's stories. A <laughs> or a partner. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> but, I mean, there's, there's a rapport between them. You know, yeah, and that, definitely. that was one of the things that's quite nice about... You know the whole the whole plot of you know where uh, the uh, what's the woman called Linda Thomas is she called the act- actress the, the woman who um, you know in, in the shop that thinks that they're that they're a, gay. a couple yeah. I, I thought, you know the, what, one of the nice one of the nice things about that is Linda Barry um, that's right thank you thank you yeah. I mean one of the nice things about that is that she is actually picking up that there is a genuine rapport between them which is which mm-hmm. is great so. Um, good stuff, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I don't think we've had it for me. We've not had a dud episode in this second half of the series, so I'm still chipper. I'm a little bit disappointed that uh, one of my daughters, who's 14, has hit that uh, period where you stop watching Doctor Who, which I did when I was about sort of 14, 15, and I was kind of hoping that New Who would have enough, you know, to stop the adolescents from stopping watching. But it's interesting that I wonder whether the, the kind of the heavy arc makes it harder for the occasional viewer to dip in and out. Yeah. I, know, I know we've had a few sort of standalone episodes and, and uh, you know, and I, I said, well, you know, you know, dip back in, it's fine, doesn't matter, you missed a couple, you know, we're still saving for you and that sort of thing. It's like, no, no, I, no, I won't bother. So, you know, um, I, I just mentioned that because who knows whether... You know the same type of patterns going on, you know, in the country. We'll have to see. But um, yeah, all right. I think I'll give it a three and a half out of five, and uh, sign off and say thanks for another great show. Look forward to listening to uh, uh, the next one and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, great. Mark. Uh, and you've given us a nice segue for people to put their scores in text. And uh, while we're waiting for them to do that, I should just ask the, uh, mention that um, the Seventh Doctor did check the closed captions. And uh, she does actually say your owners when um, they refer to the silence there, the owners of River Song. So um, that's great. Well, they they did steal her as Melody Pond, and so they still think of her as theirs. Yeah, yeah. So um, let me, if I can read uh, some uh, guest 28, put uh, one out of five utter rubbish, our words to that effect. 
at seven doctor three and a half out of five Charles 66 three and a half of five uh, from me three from my brother um, where else uh, silent Talis four and a half out of five guess ten four and a half out of five guess seven four uh, Cybob four out of five there's been a very active room here for people listening uh, too much almost to read out and I do apologize for that uh, half 0 0.5 out of 5 from guest 18. Uh, four and five. I think this has been quite a divisive episode in people who have enjoyed it as light relief. Other people have feel as though it's perhaps been a wasted opportunity. Um, four and a half out of five. It's witty, fast and contains great dialogue. Silent Tardis. But five from my wife, which is even better, of course. And um, I think I've read them all there, but extremely active uh, and a very great well, turnout. Uh, very, very uh, nice to see that. Uh, hopefully, even bigger turnout for the final episode next week. Yeah, you can also go to our, our site, podshock.net. We have each week we have a poll that runs, you know, and you can give your TARDIS groans. And right now, uh, we have the poll for closing time is coming in at 53% at four TARDIS groans, followed by. Um, at 29%, five TARDIS groans. And then, as you like you said, it's a very either you love it or hate it type of thing. <laughs> then the next one, third up, is zero TARDIS groans at 18%. So uh, that kind of gives you the geography of, uh, of likes and dislikes. I myself, uh, I feel that it's, as I said, when I started this review, it's, it's a bit um, bipolar again I think uh, the Craig and Doctor scenes work very well and that the first 35 minutes of this episode I probably you know would have given it maybe four out of five TARDIS groans but then uh, because of you know the portrayal of the Cybermen and um, a lot and the whole love conquers all you know that the whole Cyberman aspect it was I don't know maybe two out of five TARDIS grown. So somewhere in between would be three, maybe three and a half TARDIS groans I would give this as a whole. But it definitely would have been higher if it wasn't the whole Love Conquers All and, and if the Cybermen were more fierce and or if they used a different villain, you know, instead of the Cybermen in this story, maybe that would have worked better. It's just I would like to see the Cybermen portrayed better and I would like to see a, a um, an explanation other than love always being, you know, the cure all for everything. Yeah, I think it's, it's been an unbalanced second half this season and uh, uh, I think you're right. I mean, the, the, I thought uh, in the, um, the God Complex they sort of undermined the the, the, I mean, to me, the, the Weeping Angels have been one of the uh, most frightening ones of all. But by using them in that sort of gimmicky way, they've ba basically diluted their fear factor slightly. Uh, and in this, the, uh, the Cybermen, all right, it's emphasised that they are, you know, a crippled ship and crippled ones, but um, they're, they're overcome so easily. Uh, the same with those uh, dolls in um, the Night Terrors one. Very scary when we saw the uh, the um, the chap with the dog, well, with the, without his dog, the 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 uh, whatever he was, um, mm -hmm. it, it, changed, it was really scary. Uh, but yeah, they're so defeated in a sort of a cliche mode. Um, but again, that's only because they've used the same or similar solutions. I mean, obviously, when these individual well, writers are writing their stories, they don't, don't know all the ins and outs of uh, the other. 
writers. But even just which, last which, episode, the God Complex, we have a creature that yeah. is consuming, turning um, faith into food. And again, I don't really buy that. It's just, it's one of those things that, it, how can, you know, I don't know. It's just one of the, again, I would just add a little, a touch more science into, it doesn't, again, it, it, it doesn't have to, <laughs> yeah. just a sprinkle a little more of science into Doctor Who and less of this fairy tale is the best way I can describe it. You know, fairy tale magic type of stuff we can do less with or, and you know, that love and, you know, turning faith into food and all that it just doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, you want them to sprinkle some magic science on it. <laughs> less magic, more science. <laughs> Great. Well, right. absolutely. I, I mean, I, I don't think I've got anything more to add other than to say that I, I did actually, although it seemed bolted on somewhat, the, uh, the, the, the final little segment or so, I actually enjoyed that because, uh, uh, first of all, hopefully it means that they can jump yeah. right into the story next mm -hmm. week. I haven't got an idea of how it's going to be resolved. Uh, I like the way they, you know, brought, you know, the doctor's got his blue envelopes, he's got his Stetson hat. Um, I'm assuming they're not going to recap with him, you know, we're not going to go through all the the scenes of, uh, you know, um, Amy and Rory arriving in America and so on, unless they do that in some sort of that Sherlock-type way of, you know, quick camera work, and suddenly we're at late Silencio and we're at the, the funeral pyre, and, and then probably they'll do some one of these ones where, you know, the, the camera will go into reverse or something, and then he'll tell what happened in the meantime, whether he, whether he got in contact with, um, you know, Delaware the Third or um, whatever else happened, whether he did the switcheroo on the astronaut... It could be magnificent next week. It really could. And I hope well, I'm here next week Don't exactly that. Dave, don't be surprised. And I don't, and again, I'm just, and I hate to do this because if it, I'm just speculating, I don't know anything. But if it does open up completely where we don't expect it to, don't be surprised because it won't be the first time that happens in Doctor Who where we know exactly, we think, we're, okay, well, the next episode is going to start exactly where we left off on this one. And then we're going to be in, um, well, I don't want to say it, but we're, we're going to be in a different time <laughs> period. Than, a puzzle, yeah. We're going to be in a different, many, many years different, and maybe in a different location than we expect it to be. You know, that story was, will open that way, and then we'll have to work our way back to where we think we're going to be. All right. All right. Well, again, th Dave, you can um, people can listen to Dave as uh, in addition to Ian on the Cultum Collective. They're on at two p.m. on Sundays, and they just did their review of closing time as well so you can catch that on 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 in itunes and as well as cultum.com i believe and already can, up yeah and you can ca catch it live next week at 2 p.m on talk shoe and dave what's the call id uh, it's at talk show id 54821 fantastic and then we'll be back next week as well reviewing i won't say the episode title but it is available if you want to know it but we'll be reviewing the series finale episode of this of 2011 so um we look forward to having you back and joining us then right all right so i guess that's it then so thanks again for participating listening and see you next time cheers everyone bye-bye you have been listening to Doctor Who Pachop, presented by the fan-run Gallifrey Embassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. 
Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallagher Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more on this and other podcasts. Just keep looking at me, Craig. Right at me. Just keep looking. Why? Well, because. Because. Because I love you. You love me? Yes, Craig, it's you. It's always been you. Me? Is that so surprising? Oh, are you going to kiss me? Yes, Craig, yes, I am. Would you like that? A bit out of practice, but I've had some wonderful feedback. I can't. I'm taking... Oh, my God! Oh, we could just hold hands if it would make you feel more comfortable. What is happening?